companies have to recognize that in an industry that's very that has a lot of natural stress production, what does that stress do to my workforce? And physiologically, we've known for a long time what stress does. Stress produces a hormone called cortisol. And and an oversimplified way of describing cortisol is it's kind of like rust that gets produced in your your body. And that rust causes a lot of things. It it, it causes our bodies to break down. It it causes us to crave food that we probably shouldn't crave. It it causes us to have negative thoughts. and uh, it really works against us in many ways. And so the body has natural ways of dealing with that cortisol. And if we don't allow the body um, or present the body with opportunities to, to, to deal with that cortisol, that cortisol will have a very negative influence in our bodies and in our, in our and, and that will then react, kind of impact how we react to situations, our decision-making ability, how we interact with people. Uh, at an interpersonal level. And so what we're saying in the book is two things. Recognize that this is a stressful industry and recognize that companies that are going to be the employers of choice are people that find ways to deal with it. Welcome to the Restoration Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Silliman. Today, we'll be diving into two of the eight principles highlighted in KnowHow's latest book, Winning with Workers. Our focus today will be on the ever-evolving topics of professional and personal growth, effective workplace management, and combating stress in the restoration industry. We all know that this field demands constant adaptation, learning, and growth. And who better to guide us through these challenges than our guest and my friend, Leighton Healy. Leighton is a renowned keynote speaker, workforce expert, and the CEO of KnowHow. With his vast experience in scaling and managing companies across various industries and franchises, Leighton brings invaluable insights and learning to our conversation. Leighton's passion for unleashing human potential and fostering a culture of growth and personal development makes him a perfect voice for our discussion today. But before we dive into our enlightening conversation with Leighton, Let's talk about KnowHow. KnowHow is a mobile-first app that is designed to support, streamline, and strengthen your company's workforce by eliminating the need for time-consuming searches through outdated operation manuals and other documents by delivering those immediate, clear, and concise answers to your team's on-the-job information, whether that's rapidly onboarding new hires in chaotic situations, breaking down language barriers, or just giving that point of need information your team needs out in the field. But it doesn't just make jobs easier, it makes your jobs easier to do. Our platform is backed with hundreds of pre-built templates for common restoration jobs, making it faster than ever to become a process-driven company. Know how it doesn't just make your worker's job easier, it makes your job easier too. Our platform is packed with hundreds of pre-built templates for common restoration jobs, making it faster than ever to become a process-driven company. And you don't have to take my word for it. Schedule a demo at tryknowhow.com and discover how KnowHow helps restorers get the job done right every time. And that's at tryknowhow.com. We'll also have a link in the show notes for your convenience. Now let's jump into this enlightening conversation with Leighton. Leighton, welcome to the Restoration Playbook Podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. So Leighton, tell me about the book, Winning with Workers, kind of the inspiration behind it and a little bit of a connection to this podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. 
uh, Paul, fun to fun to be here, and it's fun to sit in the in the co-pilot seat here as you get to talk with a whole bunch of leading restorers, and that's what the book is about. The book the book is about what are leaders doing in the industry, what are people that are succeeding with their workforces doing, and uh, so we just released our our newest book, our newest study. It's uh, it's called it's called Winning with Workers. And so for those of your audience that are on the video, they can see kind of a, a snazzy cover. Uh, there you go. You got a copy. Good. And we titled it Winning with Workers, the Eight Proven Principles Today's Leaders Use to Attract and Retain the Best Talent. And, um, you know, the, 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 the workforce is changing very rapidly. You know, the largest employment sector in North America is the service industry. And they're in a labor crisis. They're in a labor crisis for a variety of things that are much bigger than any particular market vertical. And uh, and the question is, when things change, uh, what can we uh, what can we look to that is stable and reliable? And uh, and we believe that principles are things that you can rely on. And so, in a changing landscape. Uh, we've identified what are the eight principles that are at at work in the companies that are not just surviving, uh, but they are really thriving. Uh, they're thriving in the way that they attract top talent, uh, keep top talent, and and advance that top talent within their organizations. And so, uh, a combination of um, several years of research in the industry, um, my own experience having built and scaled service-based industries over the years. And then in addition to that, um, just drawing upon countless interviews that we've done with leaders in this space and and just distilling all that down into something that we think is very practical, something very approachable. And I think something that many companies will read and they'll see some of the principles that work within their company and it will validate some of the things that they're doing. And, uh, and hopefully identify some other pillars that they can add to their company to really build something that will grow a great employment experience and help them to, frankly, um, still be here in 10 years. No, and I think that's a great point because especially in the restoration industry, this is one of the most, I always say, recession resilient, not recession proof. Cause you still have to be able to run a good business. So when there's plenty of jobs out there, it's really finding those ways to invest in people, invest in, you know, your culture, different things of that nature to help mm-hmm. really grow the business as well. <clears throat> so, you know, with this book, we, you know, we do have eight different principles, but today we're going to dive mm-hmm. in and kind of take a look at three of these, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of diving into the first one is, you know, create a weird culture. You know, this is a very <laughs> counterintuitive you know, view compared to what we normally hear in business books or podcasts, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about creating a weird culture and how that kind of leads to more retention? You know, culture is such a nuanced, abstract, overused term in, in business. And, uh, and it's such a, I've often thought that we just should just pull some synonyms out and just use different words for culture. But but culture is the word that we use, and and it gets so um, you know mixed up in jargon and books and buzzwords and and whatnot. At the end of the day, uh, the visual that we use in the chapter 
on that principle, principle one, create a weird culture, is we start by by asking people to kind of go back to that Indiana Jones scene, um, maybe for younger listeners that like Jumanji, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson scene where they're hacking through the Amazon and then they stumble into a tribe of of people that have never had contact with the outside world. And uh, very quickly, you recognize that, that this, this is a distinct little group of people. And um, they, they dress differently. They talk differently. It just so happened you landed there during a, a full moon. And so there's these rituals and there's, there's, there's roles that people have. And, and it's different. And if there's one thing that's clear, it's you're an outsider and they're insiders. Um, and you might say it's weird. And, and weird is just simply a way of saying it is, it is distinctly different from, uh, from what you were used to. Um, and when we when we challenge companies to do, to build a weird culture, the first thing that we're challenging them to do, Paul, is to say, understand that culture is a lot more than pizza parties when your when your team looks gassed and and just worn out and frayed, um, and just having reactive, um, you know, Uber eats orders, you know, like that's not that's not culture. Well, in a sense, what you're reflecting is that you have a very reactive, very transactional culture. So I guess that is culture. But um, what we're talking about is when we say weird is good. What we're saying is we're really saying strong cultures um, uh, are thick and they're and, and it's pot and, and you can you can kick you can you can cut the distinctiveness with with a knife in the sense that, um, you know, sometimes it's even hard to articulate until you've been there for a while. But people that have been there for a while um have almost come to just say, that's ah, just how it is, you know? And in the same way, we've probably all heard people say, you know, in response to some wrecking ball manager that, that the owner doesn't have the guts to fire saying, wow, ah, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's ultimately, we have a culture of a gutless owner. Um, but really what we're after with a weird culture is a culture that is, is distinct. Um, it is a culture that, uh, that, People know when they're part of it, and they they know when they're not part of it, and and it's and it takes time to grow into it. And there's kind of a honeymoon period where you start asking yourself, are these my people, or are they not my people? And uh, and what it's all built upon is is something that's way bigger than this industry. Paul is that people today, particularly young people, um, they are disconnected, and they're disconnected for a variety of reasons. Um, something I've said you know, on stage at a number of the conferences in this industry, you know, it's good data that, that the incoming worker, um, you know, these workers that are age 19 to, to 30, uh, these, these are in, these are, these are, these are demographics that um, don't have a lot of what we would say traditional connection in the world. These are individuals that, um, you know, don't volunteer much, probably don't go to church. Um, it's been a while since they've been in school may have passed on college, um, maybe did a year. Um, they're on social media, but it's all really superficial. And uh, and they don't really, if you were to say so, like, so who's your people? Where's your tribe, man? They'd say, uh, I don't really have one. And uh, And so companies have an opportunity to do something that many might think is uncomfortable, which is 
by 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 really establishing and intentionally deciding that that we're going to create um i don't know for lack of a better word a home um a, a place where our staff feel that they belong that they that they're part of something that that is is distinct enough that they could describe it to their friends um as they you know catch up on the weekends um and they and, and to describe a culture you have to describe things like like routines and rituals and language and and terms and inside jokes and um and uh you know clothing and and behavior and you know things that and if, if, if there's not enough that's distinct about your company that gives them enough material to have a 10 minute conversation with their friends and for their friends to say that's that's different that's kind of weird and for them to respond yeah it's it's just how we do it and i like it you know, it's not for everyone, but I like it. Um, at the end of the day, you really don't have what I would say is a culture that's thick enough to retain your people, for them to really evaluate in, in the eyes of a better opportunity or a different opportunity. What am I leaving behind and who am I leaving behind if I decide to pull my chute after a rough day? So I can talk more about that, but um, culture is nuanced. Um, there's a lot that's been said on it. Um, we dig into some data, we dig into uh, some case studies uh, that unpack that a little bit further. But one of the principles that we believe needs to be at work in companies that are going to win with this workforce is that they need to say, we need to create a distinct culture um, that uh, isn't designed to appeal to everybody, but it's designed to, to appeal to um, to a certain type of people that, um, that, uh, that, uh, that you don't want to go anywhere. Um, and we think that that should be, it should be a little weird, weird in the sense that, um, it should be unique. It should be unique to you. Um, so I can speak more to that, but. No, I thought, I I think you hit some real things on the head there. And, you know, it's something that one point you made was, you know, everyone has a culture. Everyone keeps talking about, oh, we need to build a culture. This is something we want to have. Well, you have a culture, whether you know it or not. Because I know I've personally worked in a couple of restoration firms where we had a culture and it wasn't always good. It wasn't yeah. something that you went home excited to come back the next day, but mm-hmm. it's almost shining a light on, you know, is that really what the kind of people you're looking to retain? And, you know, mm-hmm. diving in, you know, what are some examples to implement those best practices in business that maybe has a culture or maybe has been stuck in a certain kind of culture for a long way and they're now revisiting thinking, Maybe this is something we need to change. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking with that, Paul, um, it, it it may not be a direct uh, correlation, but oftentimes you'll hear somebody say, you know, I had a good childhood or I had a bad childhood, but you can't ever, <laughs> there's no such thing as a person who said, I didn't have a childhood, right? Um you know, I know people who probably don't remember their teenage years, <laughs> just the way the way that they rolled, right? But at the end of the day, everybody had a childhood, and uh, and we can all agree that uh, we or people we know um, had a childhood that that stunk. It was the pits, right? And uh, and yet, you know, you still had it. And 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 other people. Like I was I was uh, doing an interview with a candidate this morning, and um, they had an awesome childhood. You know, and it's just, man, it shows, right? Like it's just deep roots. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, um, 
in a similar way, you can kind of tell when someone's coming from a healthy, um, just a healthy, vibrant, enriching, you know, rich, soiled place to grow as a human, otherwise known as work. And, uh, and, and you can tell, like, and you can tell when people have come from these like mercenary, you're, you know, you're in it for yourself. Um, you know, the, the boss is clearly dealing with stuff type work environment. And so when it comes down to, you know, just, just practical things that we can do, um, you know, that's a great thing about, about, you know, this book is we, we, we wrote the book in such a way where every chapter ends with things to stop doing, things to start doing, and things to invest in. So I'll, I'll just pull right from the book. And, you know, you can just go to winningwithworkers.com, get a free copy of this. So the first thing that we say that you need to stop doing is you need to stop thinking that team culture is just events that you do sporadically, right? Even if they're planned. Um, in the same way of saying, like, um, are you part of a family? And they say, yeah, we have pizza once in a while. Like, you'd say, no, 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 no. Like, that's not, no, no, no. Like, 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 you know, did you have a childhood? Yeah, I once got, I once had a Christmas event, right? You know, that's not exactly what's involved in it. It's like, no, no, you, you do life. And sometimes we do life intentionally. And sometimes we just, we just get through it together. And so the first thing we say is, is that understand that culture is not just, you know, just, just kind of tossing events and activities at your team members. Um, the other thing that we do is we say, don't, don't delegate the visionary work of defining what it's going to be like to just be part of your team. So often, you know, just a, just a, an owner operator or a busy executive or someone who's in a management role knows that, you know, it's that Thanksgiving's coming up or Cinco de Mayo or you name it. And they look at someone who just seems to have no problem getting things done and they say, could we, could we get some tacos on Friday? Could you help me with that? And, and they, and they delegate it and they ask questions like, Ooh, do you want decorations? Like, should we do some type of activity? And they say, honestly, just run with it. That is delegating. Um, we're not talking about delegating tasks. We're talking about delegating just like, like the feel of what it's supposed to be like to be employed by your company. And, and you can't do that. Once you have a vision, then you can bring people in and say, hey, you, you know, you know how we all just find it so fun when we when we get together and we get and, and we focus on, say, this common denominator. I have an idea for an event this Thanksgiving that I think will really bring that forward. Could you help me with some of the logistics? That's appropriate. But just delegating a couple activities is, is not appropriate. So I, I can share a few more, but those are some tangible examples. No, and those are good. And we can definitely talk on this for hours on in, because especially mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, let's be honest, especially in restoration with after call hours, you know, sometimes, you know, a hurricane comes through, you get storms, you spend more time with these people than you do your actual family. So you're in that building with them every day. And, you know, when you mentioned delegating those tasks, you know, you might have someone that's just barely hanging on, they're running on fumes. And it's like, okay, great. Now can you handle this? When it just turns into a burden instead of we get to celebrate something like we actually get to have fun at work for once when this is one of those very intense industries where there are, you know, peaks and valleys of, you know, you know what? I really could just use a pizza party where we turn things off 
when it's, mm-hmm. a, you know, when you go about it the one way instead of mm-hmm. let me just throw something else on someone's plate. And this is kind of mm-hmm. a good segue into kind of our next chapter we were going into on advancing the whole worker. You know, mm-hmm. this is something that's talked about in a lot of business books, you know, mm-hmm. having that, you know, being able to separate from work, having, you know, your mm-hmm. own personal priorities. In mm-hmm. this industry, sometimes that's tough to do. I know I struggle with it a lot. You know, I at mm-hmm. one point I ran a mold remediation division and was a uh, mm-hmm. helping run the water mitigation. And mm-hmm. the minute you get home, your phone's still ringing. You're still mm-hmm. in those jobs. You're helping with the on-call text. Or you're looked, you just never mm-hmm. turn off. So I'm right. curious, you know, why is it important in this day and age to kind of advance the whole worker as well? So when we talk about advancing the whole worker you know really what we're saying is that uh there's 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 obviously more to this person than just um what they do between nine and five and we know that you know nine and five is just a silly placeholder for you know that you know uh, when you start clocking your time and when you end clocking your time so um i mean behind every person you know, there's, there's a life and there's, there's often relationships. Sometimes there's a family, sometimes there's children, sometimes there's a partner. And, uh, and at the end of the day, um, it's difficult for a stressed out, under-resourced, over-capacity manager to care about their own life outside of work, you know, nevertheless care for their staff's lives. And uh, we're also not saying that you need to become Dr. Phil for your staff and, and help them through all their burdens. That's not what we're talking about, Right. What we're talking about, and and I and I really like I like I like allegories and I like pictures because I think it helps anchor things. And so, one of the stories we tell in this chapter, um, and I and I and I've mentioned I've I've mentioned it before is this idea of what I refer to as a brick house on stilts. So just stay with me for a moment here. Uh, you know, I remember one one day I was in the gym and there was just this enormous man that was like moving all this steel beside me. And uh, one of the biggest humans I'd ever seen. And uh, and he was doing his thing in his muscular shirt. And he had these kind of, you know, slim and trim pants on. And uh, I just mentioned, you know, um, between all his screaming and grunting, I said, man, you are an enormous human. And you have done some work. And he looked at me and he had this kind of, you know, kind of a, a movie British voice. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to replicate his voice. But he simply said, you see all this? This is a brick house built on stilts. And he kind of, kind of, he just kind of pulled up his pants a little bit and he just had these tiny little noodly legs, right? And he, and, and it kind of stuck with me. And here's somebody that uh, has, has ignored a part of his body quite consciously for a significant amount of time and uh, to his detriment. And, 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 when you when you fail to advance the whole worker, what you're doing is you're building a workforce who are brick houses on stilts, you know. And so this is an industry that understands, like you know, Paul, we, you, as you know, we did it. We did the biggest study ever in restoration, and one of the things we identified is one of the most important investments that that employers need to make is in the education and the skill training of their workers as a, as a motivator to to stay and retain them. And, and, and the, in the in industry responded. And in our in our state of the industry report of 2022 that we do with CNR magazine, um, it indicated that one of the strongest investment areas in the industry has been education and training. Now that's that that tends in this industry to lead to a lot of certifications, a lot of technical um, you know letters beside your name and those things are great. 
But when you don't balance that with caring about their progress and, and their advancement at home, you're building brick houses on stilts. And, and that person who, who, who you want to be a key contributor at work, if they don't have a path to knock down their student debt to, to pursue vehicle ownership, you know, maybe to get to a place where they have a reliable vehicle, um, a place where they're at a, uh, in a position where they're, they're really content with, you know, where their kids go to school or there's a path towards uh, maybe one day owning their own home. At the end of the day, what you're, what you're not building a whole worker, you're not building a whole person. You know, we use this other visual, you know, I live in a part of the world where we produce a lot of oil and gas. And one of the things that's not, you know, not one of our best um, characteristics is that once we extract all of the resources from the ground, sometimes companies will just essentially just walk away and they'll leave this, this kind of, you know, we would say unmitigated, uh, you know, piece of land with this hole in the ground that's empty. You know, and uh, we call them orphan wells. It, we, we've, we've just essentially we sucked out all the value. We've got what we wanted. And then when it couldn't produce, we walk away. And, and, and sometimes that's what this company, does, this industry does is this industry. It can be so stressful. It can be so intense. Um, and that intensity is is born on the shoulders sometimes of our people back at home, our, 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 you know, our families and our loved ones and, and our physical health, that when we can't keep up, um, the storms keep coming, you know, the, the, the work keeps coming, you know, the, the pipes keep freezing. And, and, and we look sometimes even with, well, with, 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 with heartfelt and in, well intent and say, uh, we've got to get to the next job. So thanks. Right. Nice having you here. And, and, and what you do is, is we, when these people's, when they're skinny little legs, which represent, you know, an ignored home life. And, and they're and we've extracted all the resources. We kind of abandon these people, and uh, and that not only is that just poor leadership, but um, but workers today, they are they, they they look for that in a job. They say, is this just another place that's going to just wear me out like a frayed garment and then kind of toss me out, or is this a place where where I'm going to be able to make some progress in my personal life? And, uh, and so what it looks like when we say companies that win with workers today, they advance the whole worker. I'll just give you a practical example. It's one thing to sit across from someone in an interview and say, um, yeah, I hope you like working hard. You know, it's, it's an, a whole nother thing to say, hey, you've got choices. And if you commit to a two to three year timeline with us, here's what we would love to talk to you about. You, you know, you've got you've to roll up your sleeves, but we would love to see um, you know, you be in a position where you're further ahead and knocking down your student loans, where you're you're in a position where you're driving a vehicle that you're proud of and, and, and you've got that vehicle paid off. Maybe even you're thinking about, you know, a path towards home ownership and, 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 and this job has, has helped you get there. Um, and then at work, we'd love to see, you know, you in a position where, you know, if you're interested in it, you, you have some responsibility for others. You have some responsibility for assets in the company. You, you've, you've gained some some credentials in this industry that can can help you drive to some some increased earning potential. How does that sound? You know, if you invest in this company, we'd like to invest in you and see you progress in both your home life and your work life. How does that sound? Of all the interviews they did that week, what do you think, Paul? I mean, that one's going to stand out. Oh, I mean, night and day. I mean, it's it, 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 
you hit it right on the head. I mean, I, I had a same scenario with my wife, you know, when we first met, I was still a technician at one of my first mm-hmm. restoration companies. And, you know, our first couple of weeks into dating, I, it got to a point where I had so many after hour calls. I had left movies we were in. I left dinners we were in. I was always kind of on call. I was always that person that people would call. And we had to have a conversation of like, do you see yourself doing this for the next 10 years? Because I don't know if this is the life I want to live. And it was something that kind of forced me to have that conversation of, Hey, is there any other roles I can go into? Cause this really isn't working for me. Like, how do I find something to go in? It really is, like you said, it's kind of you want to be able to get the most out of your employees, but also not wring them out like that wet garment, you know, and really Mm -hmm. flourish in a home life. And that's something that, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of the companies we interviewed in Winning with Workers, you know, they mentioned investing in workers, families, you know, children's Mm -hmm. activities, communities, you know, and really bringing that whole family unit into the fold to where they understand here's your the important work you're doing, but also there's a face to the name. This isn't just you getting called out at the house at all hours. They understand what's going on. You know, what kind of benefits do you see that providing to a business who, you know, while their employees are on the job, you know, they are investing in those family activities or, you know, if it's barbecues on the weekend, kind of like we spoke about in culture, but really making it Mm -hmm. that community feel. And, you know, where do you see that kind of tying in? I think that there's a risk of some people listening to this and saying workers are soft. They're softer than they used to be. And, uh, and now I have to deal with that. Um, or, you know, gone are the days where, you know, people would just, uh, you know, work 70 hours a week and, you know, shake off their, you know, jacket at the end of the day and say, you know, see you tomorrow, uh, which was code for I'll be back here in four hours. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, people are different, no question, but, uh, whether people know how to act on it or not, there is just a general sense in the population that there are more options available to people today than there were even five, 10 years ago. Some of that is, um, you know, the, this gig economy, some of this is, you know, everybody seems to have a cousin who, who apparently is like making bank on Amazon or YouTube somehow, and yet they'll never tell you how much money's in their bank account, but they're making bank. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's smoke and mirrors, but there is just this kind of in the back of the mind that um, I've got options. And you know what? Some people don't have options. Some people like just the way they played their cards, they don't have a lot of options, but, but it's the sense that there is greener grass out there and um and so employers today they 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 just have to to be competitive it's it's business is i mean not to trivialize but business is a game and sometimes the, the the rules change and sometimes you know new things come rolling into the court and you've got to you've got to adapt and and the the best people who adapt are people who who sincerely modify their sometimes their beliefs and uh, and so they, uh, you know, genuinely em- uh, they embrace this 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 reality that workers today they they want to have mo- a more rounded life, and they they want to be able to 
maybe it's they want to have something shareable on Instagram, you know, or maybe it's genuinely because they 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 finally have a, a vision for what a more fulfilling life can and could look like because more people share their lives online. And so there's more of an awareness of what's available to you. But for whatever it is, um, workers today, um, they, they, they want to be able to feel like they have more harmony in, in their life than workers even five, 10 years ago. And so when it gets, when you get practical about it, um, here's some simple practical things. And then here's some maybe more difficult things. A very simple practical thing is that uh, when you're checking in with your staff, you know, don't just ask work-related questions. And that doesn't mean that you just default default to sports, but it but it really is about um, even if you got to start a note in your phone uh, with with an int- entry for each team member, but it's just finding something that they find meaningful and interesting outside of work, and just checking in with them. Just a simple open-ended question, right? You know, it could simply sound like. Um, you know, knowing that they're really into hip hop and just being like, hey, like listen to anything new recently that, uh, you know, anything that I should be listening to. And, uh, you know, this, you know, this young guy is going to look at you and just he's going to know two things. He's going to know that you have no idea what you're talking about. But he's also going to know that you're like sincerely trying to take an interest in him. And if you give him some space and you just provide a little bit of little bit of silence, um, they'll probably respond and they'll say, yeah, you know, this new group out of Minneapolis dropped this, you know, this, this new vinyl this weekend. And it's pretty cool. They say, Hey man, um, why don't, you know, we're driving the site. Why don't you spin it up? They say, well, I don't know. I don't know if you'll like the language and you're like, well, you know, Hey, come on, man. Like, let's, let's just check it out. Right. And, and that's a very simple, tangible way we say in the book is, is don't find yourself just simply building rapport around work stuff. Right. And um, so, you know, and, and avoid the weather, avoid the sports, like, you know, just and, and keep it appropriate. Like there's totally inappropriate things you can ask someone about their personal life. Right. But um, but it's really about finding ways to inquire into the personal life. And then if and when a worker offers up some some kind of a, a challenge or some kind of an obstacle, um, you don't have to solve it right then. Like this is an industry of professional problem solvers. They're not asking you to solve your problems. But sometimes you, sometimes you write that down. And, uh, and you actually, you, you give some attention to it and you say, Hey, look, I'm in a business position where I'm an owner or manager, and uh, I've got some skills where maybe I could actually help move some, some, some mountains for some of my team. And so that's a more strategic example, Paul, where we say, um, you know what, you have a a high quality management team, a high quality, um, say supervisor or leadership team or ownership team. Um, once a quarter, once a quarter deploy that that just skill and that, that, that industry horsepower for an hour with, with your Rolodexes on your phone and just see if you can solve a problem that one of your team members maybe couldn't solve on their own because they just don't have the connections or, or they just don't have the, the, the wherewithal, or maybe they don't have the resources, or, or maybe they just don't have the, the, you know, the, 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 the social um, uh, opportunities for you just to open a door for them. And, uh, and 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 move a mountain for a team member, and they'll remember that, and they will be they'll be loyal to that. Um, there's more I could say to that, but is that helpful? No, absolutely. And it, it's it's just having the conversation, taking that five minutes mm-hmm. and having that chat, and you never know what might come from it. You might add, mm-hmm. someone might say, "Hey, I'm really struggling with this," or "I'd really love to learn this." Just empowering those workers, or just 
making them feel listened, they might turn around and be like, wow, they're actually really good on the social media stuff. We're actually getting a couple more calls. They've actually solved an issue I've been working on for years. But now you're having that conversation, but you're also investing in that person. So they, right. they actually feel like they're part of that tribe that we've spoken about. Thanks for watching this episode of the Restoration Playbook podcast. Join us next week to learn more ways restoration leaders are winning with workers as we dive into two more principles used to attract and retain top talent. If you found this episode useful, please share with a colleague and make sure to get your hands on a copy of Winning With Workers. Just head to winningwithworkers.com for a free copy of our ebook. For those who would like to learn more about know-how, head over to tryknowhow.com and schedule a demo with me to experience firsthand how know-how can amplify your workforce's efficiency and quality no matter where the job takes them. Thanks again, and we look forward to bringing you more insights on the next episode of the Restoration Playbook podcast. See you soon.